Orange Gin Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And it's Friday at five o'clock. Oh, time for gin. Yay! We're going to drink a gin with our guests and enjoy this week's topic. Yay! Cheers! Cheers! Hey, Anya! It's another week. Ah, who knew? They just keep coming. So, what have I got for you this week? I don't know. I have got for you Charles Amoga. So, Charles is a um, PhD student at Cambridge University, mm-hmm. um, and he is doing his PhD research on the pangolin. Ooh, the pangolin, which, by the way, great name. Yeah, so he's doing um, tropical ecology and the understanding of the animal landscape interactions as well as the social drivers of species decline. And he's really looking at the pangolin and the pangolin decline. Okay, interesting. So... I the reason why I've stalked Charles to get him on the podcast mm-hmm. is that I see a lot of him doing stuff uh, public engagement within the University of Cambridge. Mm-hmm. He ran um a mar- I don't know if it was a marathon or like a Cambridge half marathon dressed as a pangolin. Brilliant, brilliant, um, brilliant. Just awesome. Yeah. I I love that you do occasionally just bully people into joining us. Uh, <laughs> you two would like to be bullied by Sarah? Please feel free to email us. <laughs> it's either bullied to join us or bullied to drink the gin that I want them to drink, yeah. even when it's really shit. And this is just, I think, tops. Pangolin, pangolin. Brilliant. Love it. So that is who we've got on. Nice. Um, and hopefully we've got Charles. He might be having the kind of day we've been having. <sighs> There's something in the air. Mercury's in retrograde. What can I say? I don't. They're just words. Yeah, it's 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 for the girls' gaze and they's that one, Sarah. They'll get it. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you haven't listened to this week's tasting room yet, we've already spent a little time chatting with our guest and with our gin expert Emma, finding out all about this week's gin, why our guest has chosen it, what it tastes like, and whether we like it or not. And this week we're drinking Pangolin Navy Strength. So don't forget to listen to our tasting room. But now, on with the topic. So, Charles, hello. Welcome to Gin and Topic. Um, We have already got our gin and tasted it with you, with Emma. Um, So you get to sit back... And drink, well, maybe not the rest of the bottle because it is Navy Strength, but some of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Drink the remainder of your glass. <laughs> <laughs> you can drink some. I already cocked it. <laughs> some of the pangolin gin, whilst Anya and I are going to talk about what we think we know about pangolins. It doesn't normally take that long to cover the what we know, so maybe drink quick. <laughs> and then we can judge where the bar is of our knowledge, how much we need to know from you, or whether we can just go, yeah, whatever, we're done. We know all about pangolins, which we don't, um, and drink more gin. So That's like a fun activity. Yes. Let's go. Well, I for once think I have something to bring to the table. This is very unusual, I know. Oh, good. Is it a pangolin? Apart from your gin glass. It's not a pangolin, apart from my gin glass, no. Um, (laughs) So they 
to the best of my knowledge, look a little bit like a sort of scaly anteater armadillo type thing. I think they're scaly. Yeah. And I mentioned this today to somebody in work. I said, I'm going to be talking pangolins and I'm pleased my description was correct. Thank you very much. And they said, ah, the most poached animal in the world. I don't know if that's true, but this is the one bit of knowledge I have. So I'm going to roll with it. (laughs) So I, yeah, I think I know what a pangolin looks like. I can imagine them. And thanks to the gin bottle, I've got a picture of them. And having looked at the gin bottle again, that reminded me, they curl up into tiny little scaly balls, don't they? They're the ones that little curl up. And they're really, really cute looking. I've never seen one. They do look very cute. They do. I think I've only ever seen them when David Attenborough is talking about them, you know, that kind of program (laughs) rather than in the real world. But they do look really cute. Little, they've got little long noses and scaly bodies, and they mm. curl up in into balls to protect themselves because they've got little soft bodies. It's all I know. Our question, of course, is what is a pangolin? So I think we've kind of answered it. Potentially, potentially, not hundred percent sure. Not sure what kind of. <laughs> it is apart from an animal that looks a bit like that. Um, yeah. Why should we? Preserve them, conserve them, not preserve them, not put them in a gin bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Protect them. (laughs) Uh Um, You've just said about them being... uh, Potentially potentially poached. poached. So maybe that's why we need to protect them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what number they are in the endangered list. No, I don't know what they eat. I don't know where they live. I don't know why they're hunted. I don't know anything about their habitat. No. No. Nope, don't know why they're hunted. Don't know how they reproduce. Do they lay eggs? Do they carry babies? I don't know. Are they as stupid as pandas? Maybe they're dying out because they are just stupid. Do they not have babies all the time? I don't, yeah, I don't think they can be as stupid <laughs> as pandas. I think, yeah, I think they must be a bit more intelligent. <laughs> so, yeah, we know very little. Very little. <laughs> Apart from they look really cute. Charles, anything good in that? <laughs> That's quite a lot, though. I think I agree with almost everything. <laughs> almost Yay! everything. Um, just a little little bit there. Um, and, you know, when you talked about them being the most mm-hmm. pushed animal, technically, yes, but um, not really because humans would be the most trafficked. Um, so it would be they're the most um, trafficked um, non, non, uh, sorry, wild mammals. So non-human right, mammals, okay. for example. Um, mm. which is quite sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of them are trafficked. So, sorry, so not poached, but trafficked? Um, poached is quite difficult to quantify in that way. So it wouldn't be poached, it would be trafficked. So right. poaching would be, you know, hunting, where, but yeah, yeah. when it's illegal. Um, and it's just harder to put a number to that. Actually, I don't know the most poached animal, to be honest. Um, mm. um, but... The uh, pangolins are the most illegally traded or the most um, trafficked wild mammal on the planet. Wow. wow. Yeah. This has already okay. taken a really dark turn, hasn't it? Blimey, the poor pangolins. So quickly, so quickly. I'm so sorry, but... No, it's on, good. Then. We love it. We love it. Go for it. <laughs> so, okay. So why would you traffic a pangolin? Well, um, um, I guess we also know why. So pangolins have got, pangolins are the only scaly mammals on the planet. Yeah, that's another thing that was quite like, okay, they might lay eggs. I was like, okay, pangolins don't lay eggs. 
I don't know. I'm not judging you. I promise I'm not judging you. I started off by saying, you know, you got almost everything right. Just a few things. And I don't think you actually said that, you know, definitively. You were like, maybe. So, yeah, they don't lay eggs. They're, they're, They're mammals. Um... So they're the only scaly mammals on the planet. You can imagine mammals don't have scales. You know, you think about scales, you think about like a fish um, and all of that stuff, but not pangolins. Pangolins are mammals. Um, they've got hair as well. They've got a little bit of hair, but they've got predominantly scale scales mm. over um, on the back and on, you know, on, on the hair, tails and legs and all that. So they're, a, they're a very unique. They're, they're the only um, group of, animals in a particular mammalian order called the fully daughter and it's an it's an order that has um evolved in the last um you know 60 to 70 million years and um they've just somehow persisted and so we have this unique group of animals eight of them eight species well not eight individuals eight species across different parts of the world but only in africa and asia so the pangolins you might find in Europe, say in um, in a zoo in Germany, for example, or even in the US, are not from those places. They've been brought in from other places, and, and that's where where they're found. So pangolins represent, um, you know, huge diversity, evolutionary um, distinctiveness, and a lot of threats. And we, you talked about how much they are um, endangered. So you know, not to go into technical details, but the the umbrella organization on the, on the planet that tries to classify the threats that animals have have classified pangolins in the top you know the the eight of them are within the top three um, categories so they face mm-hmm. one of the greatest threats and that includes being critically endangered in other words you're getting extinct then the next the level after critically endangered is extinction so mm-hmm. um maybe extinct in the wild first of all then extinction mm-hmm. so um for us pangolins are animals that i guess we still share earth with but the next coming in in a couple of decades and maybe you know maybe a century we don't know what the fate of pangolins would be if the current threat that pangolins mm-hmm. face persist mm. Okay, so let's go, let's pick all of that out from the beginning in answering what is a pangolin? Because we've said it's a scaly thing and you've said it's the only scaly mammal. So what is it and where is it? Um, So there'll be so many. I mean, I don't think I ever define a pangolin, but a pangolin is the only scaly mammal on the planet found in two continents, Africa and Asia. Eight species exist. And do they look really different from each other, these eight species? Are they all... Um, so if you do not consider size, they look very similar. But when you consider size, they're really big. So they're small to medium um, animals. Um, you talked about the armadillo. I thought that was really brilliant. So when I talk about pangolins, I say a pangolin is an, is, is an animal that looks like an armadillo, but not quite. And the reason yeah. for that is because armadillos have rings. They have rings that go from, you know, side to side. Pangolins yeah. have scales, just like having multiple fingernails. Imagine your hand having like multiple fingernails and stuff. Sorry, that's creepy. Oh, <laughs> it just makes me want to like pick them all off. And I, I don't want to pick off a pangolin's scales. That's awful. But it just, oh, oh. Yeah, but yeah, pangolins have scales. And the scales are made up of keratin. So it's the same component in our mm. fingernails uh-huh. and in our hair. Um, mm. And the threats that pangolins face um, come from the trafficking of 
um, obviously pangolins, but the killing of pangolins for the scales. And it's, you know, there's a lot of cultural background to why people use pangolin scales for traditional medicine, for example. But um, it's because of that uniqueness of the um, of pangolins and um, them just having, you know, been the only scaly mammals on the planet. That being said, I would say pangolins, I should also say pangolins are consumed as food in parts of Africa and Asia where they exist. Mm. Um, the form what um, is known as wild meat. So you have domestic meat from your, you know, cattle. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you eat, you know, if you're not vegetarian or vegan, um, but there's also wild meat and it's not common. So it's what in the UK you would hear as game, for example. Yeah. You know, yeah. your deer and venison and all that. Yeah. But it's called wild, wild, wild meat. Um, and in parts of Africa, um, pangolins form, you know, wild meat. And so many people would kill pangolins and eat the meat, you know, with, a, with Indian meals. And the scales are either discarded or sold out to X person who buys them and ships yeah. them abroad to other places where yeah. they're used for traditional medicine in bulk. Yeah. So perhaps it's an insensitive question because I don't want to eat a pangolin, but I do now kind of want to know, do we know what it tastes like? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Well, <laughs> i tell you what. Um, I grew up in Southeast Nigeria and I only moved mm-hmm. to the UK a couple of years ago and I was chatting to my dad about obviously he knows the work I do and all that stuff. And we're having a very honest conversation. And he said, he thinks I, I would have had a pangolin when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, really? And I told him, dude, you don't want to say that to me. You know, you know what, <laughs> you know, you don't want me to know that. Right. Like, even if it's true, <laughs> don't say it to me. Yeah. Um, but maybe I've had one, but I can't remember what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. However, um, the research that I'm doing in Southeast Nigeria and in some other places, actually, research from Cameroon and um, Central African Republic suggests that pangolin meat is very palatable. So we asked a, we asked a couple of questions. Um, we asked people, maybe uh, I think almost five, at least 500 people to rank um, um, different types of meat. And pangolins came up with an average of 10 out of 10. Mm. Um, I think Two pangolin species did that. One of them had a 9.5. Um, yeah, so people really think pangolin meat, obviously, this is very subjective, it's, it's very cultural, it's very tasty. Yeah. Um, but it's just bigger than that. It's the domestic consumption, but also the um, overseas demand for just kills. Yeah. Mm. And, mm. and I'm assuming, therefore, you know, the problem is that they're eating, as you said, wild meat. So unlike here where we might have the game where they've you've got a whole industry rearing, mm. you know, for feeding that whole desire for game. Um, so they're not becoming endangered, whereas the pangolin, you're, they're not being farmed, even if it's wild farmed. So we're just depleting the sort of the stock of pangolins. That's very correct. I think the first thing to note is that it's notoriously difficult to um, breed pangolins. Mm. So are they as stupid as pandas then? <laughs> um, no, actually, pangolins would run. No, no. Also, maybe, also maybe stupid is not the word for pandas. Pandas are, pandas are just like, you know, so... I don't know. So glo- Panda defense squad. Yeah, so, so gloriously aloof. You know. <laughs> so what makes them 
difficult to breed then is that they they don't want an audience? <laughs> well, yeah, you won't be wrong. Um, just to put simply and to simplify this, they would die of gastrointestinal diseases. Um, oh. So pangolins have a specialised diet. That's the thing. Pangolins have so many cool facts. You almost miss some. I should have said this earlier. Pangolins have a specialised diet of ants and termites. They don't have teeth and they've got a very long tongue that when stretched out, it's as long as half their body. Um, and, and a pangolin... <sighs> Yeah, a pangolin is a very long animal because it has a long tail. Um, so, you know, you have a very long tongue that rolls up into the cavity. But when it's stretched mm. out, you know, like a chameleon, right? I don't know if you've yeah, seen yeah. like, you know, just like, yeah, yeah it has chameleon, t- you know. Like, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing a pangolin use the tongue to like catch ants and termites. Maybe just ants. Yeah. Ants once. And it was very, very cool. Really cool sighting. Mm. Um, so because they have a specialized diet, and it's really, it's different across the species. Um, it's quite hard for humans to yeah. really crack down on that and give them um, the kind of um, um, anti-termite or termites that they would need. Um, and it's not just like survival, right? When you're breeding a pangolin, you also want it to ideally reproduce and stuff. So mm-hmm. if you're not giving the right thing, and yeah, pangolins are nocturnal as well. Some of them are. It means, you know, there's to sleep at night, sleep during the day and they're active at night. And it just adds the complexity to breeding such elusive and cryptic animals. Um, so, yeah, it would be really difficult to do that. Yeah. But do they, do they breed well in the wild or are they sort of struggling by themselves and in captivity? Yeah, they don't have... Um, a very rapid fecundity, like say porcupines or squirrels, for example. Um, and it varies by species, but the white-bellied pangolin, for example, that's the one I, my, my work is on, um, would have, um, one pup, um, a young every maybe six months. Um, and I think they take a, a certain number of maybe about a year to reach maturity. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, killing of pangolins, either intentional or, you know, by bycatch. And so mm. you just have a lot of threat on this animal that um, are bi- biologically, I guess, deprived. You know, they don't have a lot. They don't have that quick turnover. And they're just being sought after in some parts intentionally as well. Okay. So, yeah. So the whole... They can't breed as quick as people are eating them. So we've got the the one in terms of eating uh, locally, but my guessing is that that's been going on for a long time. So has the decline of pangolins been just slowly being eaten away, literally, um, or has the also the threat of you said about scale for medicine um, and whatever else have there been other threats than just the local eating of i feel bad saying eating <laughs> yeah um it's 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 hard to say that definitively but we could assume um and quite rightly so because given you you have you have pangolins in two continents you know naturally occurring mm. on two continents only africa and asia um it's about maybe 15 a decade to 15 years ago that the trade in pangolins um, on the African continent, I mean, the international trade now became apparent. And so pangolins have been shipped from Africa to Asia to meet Asian demand. 
and um, there's evidence, um, but not on pangolin population. Um, there's evidence that that shift is caused by the declining population um, of Asian pangolin species that, you know, because you don't have enough pangolins in Asia now to meet Asian demand where like pangolins are broadly used for traditional medicine and mm-hmm. is actually sh- sold in shops. It's not just like something you could pound in your home and like make, mm. I'd make, make like a concoction or something, mm. you know, it's, mm. it's, it's properly um, pr- made and sold in, you know, pharmaceuticals and stuff, pharmacies. Um, it makes it, I guess it really like legitimizes it and increases mm. that legitimacy that makes, and you know, um, has some agency behind it. But we've seen that demand now coming from African pangolins to meet Asian um, demand for it, or rather the supply coming from African pangolins to meet a- Asian demand. So I think it's a combination of both. It's a combination of that declining population of say mm. Af- Asian pangolin species, but also mm. that increased threat. Um, maybe, um, the threat has stayed the same, but the demand has just shifted. We don't know. But what we do know is that pangolins um, are in their need of salvation. Um, you know, people have to change their behaviors. People have to change, um, you know, lifestyle to to protect pangolins. And we really need to be chatting about pangolins a lot more. I mean, like we're doing now, because a lot of people just know pangolins are like Amadeo like you know, like creatures and COVID kind of put a spotlight on pangolins when they were rumored to be linked to the, you know, spread and origin of, uh, you know, the coronavirus. But apart from that, most people don't know that pangolins could be the next, you know, dodo that could leave the planet anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're not, they're not the poster animal for extinct species. You know, Mm. they're, I, I don't, think I know a program that has mentioned pangolin decline and it is that because of other species decline is due to habitat loss whereas this is due to human use of an animal mm-hmm. there, are, there, there are a couple of um, organizations and even global organizations that have put the spotlight on pangolins um, now which is good um, but I think pangolins face peculiar threat. So if an animal was threatened by habitat destruction, like you mm. just described, right, um, it's relatively easier to protect your natural habitat mm. and like make laws stricter mm. and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. if it's by hunting for food coupled with international demand, it's all very much human behavior in a way that mm. is, you know, is very minuscule to tackle and it just makes the problem really, really difficult. So I worked with hunters in Nigeria, in Southeast Nigeria, for the last three years. And I record what, what they kill and they kill pangolins. I've mm. also worked with households um, are, are, you know, in the region, monitoring what they consume. And they also mm. consume you know, mm. you know, pangolins, amongst other things. And if you do a rough estimate, you know, if you have like a robust sample size and you do an estimate, extrapolate across the landscape... We're talking, we're talking thousands, you know, of pangolins being being killed and eaten every year. Um, I can't put a number on that, but one thing I can put a number on is that um, the research that we did a couple of years ago showed that um, in about a decade, at least um, eight hundred thousand pangolins would have been killed to um, produce 
the mass of scales that was trafficked that involved Nigeria. So in the last 10 years, we're talking 800,000. And this is only an underestimate because usually we, 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 we make those estimates using um, information on um, reported seizures and seizures only account for 10 to 20% mm -hmm. of everything that's, mm -hmm. that's trafficked. So it's a big problem. And yeah. the big question for me all the time I see a pangolin is how are you still here? You know, I'm excited, but you know, like with everything that we think we know about you, how are you still here? So yeah. pangolins are strong, but I don't think they can do this alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So tell us why a pangolin so cool. What, why are they, why? <laughs> Give us some pangolin facts. Exactly. Why should we be championing the pangolin and helping to save it? Apart from the fact that what people are doing is pretty shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah that's, that's a given. That's definitely a yeah? big one. Like, that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of pangolins facts for you. Um, pangolins are the only scaly mammals on the planet. So can I go back on terms of scaly mammals? So what's the difference between a pangolin an armadillo because an armadillo it doesn't have scales but what it kind of has a kind of hard thing so as you said rings what's the difference between that and scales why are scales cool well scales are cool because they're associated with like different um I guess class of animals you would you know yeah. ma mammals would never have have scales like we have skin and hair um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, amadillos on the other hand have um, rings, um, and I don't actually know which other animals have rings. So maybe we should also be championing, like you know, like amadillos are the only ringy animals on the planet. I don't know, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't sound as good, does it? I like agree. Animals, Thanks for saying that. Animals. Thanks for saying that. Because <laughs> I'd be crying right now if you're told, oh, pangolins are not really unique anyway. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's something to check up. Um, it, I, I also think it doesn't take away, right? Amadeus could be like only ringy animals and pangolins are only scaly animals. And then, you know, we just, They're all but we should yeah. still be absolutely yeah. and champion them all. I agree. But yeah. Without yeah. them, we wouldn't have that scale of, of mammals with scales, yeah. which all I can think of is yeah. dragons constantly. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, you know, like, so this is something for everybody, you know, y'all here and also the listeners out there when you can post this now, or no, at the end of it, just Google pangolin memes. It's the <laughs> funniest thing ever. They're, I can't do justice to it. I can't do it. So I wouldn't even try, but Google pangolin memes, they're just brilliant great memes out there and when you talked about the I dragon i absolutely love when anyone comes on this and says just google memes <laughs> yeah. and i'm like yes it's amazing <laughs> it keeps me going all the time with the rest of your gin just full down a google meme yeah. pangolin rabbit hole done i'll be on pangolin tiktok before you know oh it. dear <laughs> so tell us more more about pangolins yeah so i think one thing about pangolins is also that if we lost pangolins now, we'll be losing, you know, roughly 65 million late years of evolution. So we would have lost mm. all of this, like, you know, um, yeah, evolutionary history, more or less. And mm. yeah, that's what, that's what makes humanity, right? Like, you know, like we are, we are privileged actually to be the um, dictator species, for example, you know, um, if you like, and we, we can really, as much as we can, quantify this thing. And it just makes sense that we're able to say, oh, 
you know, this is very old and this is here. Imagine when, you know, you hear the news about some discovery out there somewhere, like there's been this writing on the wall by pre-humans and all that. It's so exciting. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. pangolins, we would, we would lose that. But there's also um, um, some suggestions that because pangolins feed on ants and termites exclusively, mm-hmm. they help maintain mm-hmm. the population of these organisms in places mm-hmm. where they're corn. So if you take pangolins out of the ecosystem, just like you would have like a um, lot of overgrazing if you took lions and cheetahs out of like the savannah, because then you don't have anybody to eat up all the, you know, yeah, this may not sound really cool to others, but you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know, like eat up the- It's cool, yeah, I promise. <laughs> the, yeah, the deer and everything, um, the bush bark and stuff, then you just have like overgrazing and it just causes an imbalance to the ecosystem. So- Pangolins play a special, um, a special role in that way. And the scales are made up of keratin, the same components in our hair and fingernails, mm. which is quite sad when people use pangolin scales for traditional medicine, right? Or any type of medicine, mm. because like... Don't you just cut your fingernails and it's free, and use that. right? You know, like, yeah, you, know, yeah, you don't have to Do pay anybody. Exactly. I don't know how much, you know, the need, maybe we need to start thinking about like some food that grows, increases the growth rate of fingernails, for example. So, like, mm. people have enough. Yeah. There's got to be alternative sources for there you it go. that we could look that into. Is it. Yeah, I don't sure, want to think about it. I'm thinking about donating medicine. my fingernails for Sarah, medicine. I'd rather that, you know, it might be a traditional medicine for them, but let's give them an alternate way of doing it, like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I think I also think that's even, you know, very respectful as well because we're, you know, preserving culture because people do mm. this, a yeah. lot of it for cultural reasons. Like, they're still doing it. Um, but mm. just not harming something else in the process, um, yeah. which, you know, yeah. So another very cool fact is that pangolins carry their the young on the base of their tail. Um, and so, yeah, oh. it's so cool. Just like, an, you know, like a kangaroo has a pouch and stuff. Yeah. yeah, the pangolin has it on the base of the tail. I recently got a camera trap um, from Nigeria. One of the camera traps that I put out in the forest, um, a camera trap photo of a, white-bellied pangolin and a pop. So, yeah, there's birds <gasps> Will you send it to us so we can share it on Instagram? Yeah, I don't mind sharing. It's not the greatest photo, but, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll share it. Um, yeah, it's really nice. And I've seen that a couple of times, but for that to have come out from the camera trap that I, you know, and a few other people put out, mm-hmm. it was really, really um, warming. It was great. Um, mm. So, yeah, we talked about how much pangolin skills are, um, use for traditional medicine and the traits that they face. But I think it's also, you know, good to end on a positive note about like, you know, pangolin facts that there are a lot of people now and increasingly so um, that are interested in pangolin conservation. The people on the ground doing stuff, um, government officials, you know, even across the, the world, especially in Central and Western Africa, are becoming involved um, in the convention on illegal in, in international trade, one of the, you know, big conventions that talks about like trade and stuff um, that a lot of countries in the world are part of. Pangolins uh, becoming, I mean, not even becoming hot topic. There are hot topics. So people are interested and there's actually momentum. And I think that's really important because mm. you need to raise awareness about such a complex mm. issue and get people involved playing their part. Um, obviously we need more, but I think, what we have now is a step in the right direction. Mm. So how do we how do we help them? What can be done? Because 
you know, in terms of working with the people who are uh, locally um, eating them as as wild meat and that trade, what are the things we can not we personally, but can be done or to help to say, well, maybe we. I mean, obviously, we can buy gin. I can do that a lot. I can buy gin. I can support that (laughs) conservation. But what are the things that can be done and are being done to help to conserve the species? Well, behaviour change um, interventions is a big one um, because, like we talked about earlier, all of this borders around people's choices. um, Mm. And if if we can change that in an ethical way, obviously with respect to local communities and respect to cultures across the globe, then um, it's a step in the right right direction. Um, there's also research to understand pangolin ecology, what's happening, how can we improve that, how can we, you know, even enhance breeding in facilities and all of that. That's great. But, you know, secondary stuff, the main thing is to protect them where they occur. And so, like, umbrella protection of habitats where pangolins are caused has, has been great because even when people are not, rangers are not intentionally um trying to arrest people who are poaching pangolins, you know, they're just like everything. If you're a ranger, you're trespassing. Sorry, if you're a poacher, you're trespassing is illegal. We arrest you, we, we deter you. There are obviously complications around that, ethics around all of that. But I think that really helps, right? Because it's law and it should be protected. Um, mm. And there's also work to understand like consumption on the ground um, internationally as well and the trade um, but I think what we can do, you know, the public, you may, people who, who may never get an opportunity to go to a pangolin habitat or a country where pangolin occurs, or um, even if they do, you may actually just not care that much because like, you know, it's holiday and something else mm-hmm. is happening, right? If you have and you can, it might be great to just look up, you know, a pangolin charity of your choice and donate a few pounds because like your mm-hmm. money helps, right? Um, if you can as well, as well, which I think a lot of people can, um, raise awareness of pangolins, right? You can just download a, you know, pangolin photo right now and share 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 with the mate or family and be like, do you know this animal? It's called a pangolin. You could share this episode. Exactly. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy pangolin gin because you know there's you know some um, prof, um, um, percentage of that money going to pangolin conservation on the ground mm-hmm. um, because I know it sounds really easy to imagine or perhaps quite straightforward, like conservationists won't be doing the work that they do without the funds that they get and funding Mm. for protecting. I think of this and I just imagine how ironic it is like funding for protecting the Ed's um, bloodline, which is biodiversity is so, so difficult. I speak as a conservationist, right. And like really little experience in it, but it's so difficult. And there's so much money going around that could be going into protecting things, not just pangolins, but you know, general stuff. Um, and I think we could be doing that, you know, providing money. But I think the main thing would also be people who are in position um, to consume pangolin, um, um, you know, either meat or scales, if they can, should really think about alternatives. And I really say if they can, because I think this this differs a lot. Um, in some places, it's pangolin, cons- you know, um, the consumption of pangolins but if you can, if you can stop using pangolin um, skills mm. for traditional medicine, mm. that would be great. And ideally we should because, um, well, scientifically, it might be working for you, but scientifically there's no evidence showing that pangolin skills mm. cures all of the ailments, you know, from cancer to increased lactation to 
um, being an aphrodisiac that a lot of people think that it does. It's just, it's just, it's just a perception. It's a placebo effect. So we should be thinking about changing those. Mm. Mm. So how did you get into studying pangolins? <laughs> Billion dollar question. <laughs> I I grew up in Southeast Nigeria. I grew up, you know, having this large secondary forest around the backyard. I would usually play and stuff. And I saw a lot of wild mammals, especially um, when I was in the bathroom. And this is very particular because my bathroom oversaw, as, 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 as a child, oversaw the forest and stuff. And that's like one place you can see, stay and see stuff. Um, and I saw a lot of, I saw pines, I saw mashkin rats and stuff, but um, never knew a pangolin existed, obviously. You know, you can imagine, you know, children just know what they know, which is what mm-hmm. they see around them. But I saw mm-hmm. pangolin um, on TV a couple years later, maybe when I was seven or eight or nine, I can't remember exactly, but I was very intrigued. Um, and I, the main reason I was intrigued is because it looked very different from other animals that I had seen. And so I just mm-hmm. wondered why that looks so different. But I don't think I put a lot of thought into it. A couple of years later, when I was ready to get to university, I knew about pangolins. I knew they were, you know, getting trafficked. I also knew pangolins mm-hmm. are called in the national park. That was just like a stone throw away from where I grew up. And so it became very apparent that I could be having a career here. I started chatting about it to a couple of people. When I got my first job in gorilla conservation, um, I I tried to nudge the well not nudge the organization but nudge people into doing pangolin stuff that didn't work out so much but um, in terms of making it the focus but I just decided you know like a PhD is usually a great way to like hone a project and get it going mm. so I know what I care about and it's the pangolin well sadly pangolins then became the most you know illegally tra- um, traded wild mammal and so it made so much mm. sense to contribute. And so I find myself in a position where I, I'm doing what I really love, but um, I'm following my passion and, let, you know, making a living out of it. Um, and, I, yeah, childhood passion, which is really great. So I don't know. We're all for following childhood passions yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And having gone from gorilla conservation to pangolin conservation, who would win in a fight? I would wish the pangolin won, but you know who would win. <laughs> You'd hope that the scales would protect it in its little not, ball. Not the f- pangolin wins in the fight for my not heart. For, so. Not for a gorilla punch, though. Oh, dear. Oh, oh. But also, pangolins are huge, right? The ones with the, the, So I'm thinking about the white-bellied pangolin because that's what I really work on. But the, there's, there's a pangolin called a giant pangolin. Um, the giant mm. pangolin can grow up to 40 kilos. And it's a huge deal. Oh, wow. It's a big boy wow. or, or girl yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but it's really huge. It's really huge stuff. Um, I, you know, I still don't think it would, you know, we stand a blow for a gorilla though. And hopefully they don't fight. Depends on the size of the gorilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got a giant pangolin. We've got white belly pangolin. What are the other types of pangolins? So in Africa, on Africa, we've got giant pangolin, Temmings pangolin, white-bellied pangolin, black-bellied pangolin. And you you can imagine there's a lot of like descriptive stuff there. One has a white belly, one has a black belly, one is a giant one, one is a temmings. The temmings is actually named after the guy who, who um, um, some, some zoologists, I think it's German zoologists who, um, who named it. And then um, in Asia, we've got Chinese pangolin, 
um, the Indian pangolin, the Philippines pangolin, and the Sunda pangolin. The Philippine pangolins is endemic to an island called Palawan. Um, it's a very small, you know, I guess, you know, relatively small island. Um, and that's the only place you find the, the pangolin. Giant pangolin, the Chinese pangolin is super rare, um, mm. you know. Um, but it's also, yeah, they're all very pretty pangolins. Yeah. I've seen only one pangolin species. That's the white-bellied pangolin. And I'm dying to see the black-bellied pangolin. Mm. It is one of the most freakiest thing on the surface of the earth, that thing. It's so cool. Look it up. Brilliant. I love it. We've come away with homework to go and Google pictures of pangolins. Brilliant. A lot of homework. And I memes. Think. And memes. Pictures and of memes. pangolins and memes. And pangolin memes. Yes. <laughs> Whilst drinking all the rest of the pangolin gin and buying more because then we're doing our bit. Yeah, it's yeah. true. We're doing our bit by drinking gin, which is always the best way for it to go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think I might have like, I actually, you know how you can do like a charity donation? You just do it on a regular basis. I'm going to do that with You're going to order gin on a regular basis, aren't you? Yeah. Make me feel good. Brilliant. Well, Charles, thank you for turning Sarah into an alcoholic. Uh, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for telling us all about pangolins and allowing me to bully you into joining us <laughs> to drink pangolin gin whilst talking pangolins and knowing that the gin doesn't include any pangolins in it, but instead helps to conserve them with the profits from the gin. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. I think, you know, the gin really helps enhance the conversation. <laughs> yeah, a gin <laughs> always you. helps. Thank you so, so much. Always. All right, cheers. Okay, so we've got pangolin for our gin, pangolin for our topic, a little pangolin pangolin pairing what have we learned Anya? well we've learned that technically they are not the most poached they are the most trafficked and that is because they are traditionally eaten for meat and also used for traditional medicine and they look a little bit like armadillos but they're scaly and some of them are big and some of them are small and they're the only scaly mammal so yeah once they've gone, they've gone. There is no other scaly mammal to replace there them. There is no pangolin bee. There is no pangolin bee. <laughs> and the main reason they're trafficked is because the the they've been depleted so much in one part that eats them and use them for medicine. So now they're tracking trafficking them from another part, which is going to deplete them in that area that eats them and then sends them. Just stop eating pangolins if you can. And stop using them for medicine if you can. We get it's a traditional thing and we really appreciate and respect that. But also like, come on, guys, it's not an aphrodisiac. Just get some. I was going to say something which I don't think I should say there. No, but don't use the don't use the scales. Use your nails. No. <laughs> you know, we could put it on a T-shirt, a little pangolin. Don't use the scales. Use the nails. And everybody... Go and Google pangolin memes. Yeah. So we've got pangolin memes. We They look fabulous. And babies on tails. Babies on tails. Really cute. cute. cute so cute. I think, you know, the more that we can do, but hard to 
protect them because we're mm. not talking about protecting habitat. We're talking about trying to get people to change their behaviours. We are, which is the hardest thing in the world because... We're really shit as people and we like just really doing the shit. things we do. We've always done it this way. We'll keep doing it this way. Indeed. But yeah. really easy thing I'm going to do is buy another bottle of pangolin Another bottle gin. of gin. Yeah. I support that. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, me. Because you know what? I don't get enough credit. <laughs> yeah. More gin. On your cruise. Face of the podcast and the sex appeal. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. right. Pangolins. Pangolins. They are the face of the episode. Mm. Well, there you go we finished the gin that was this week's topic join us next week for another one lovely where can people find us in the meantime sarah at topic gin so find us on twitter find us on instagram find us on face facetime no facebook we're on facebook yeah oh good but we're not on tiktok not yet not yet not yet <laughs> or you can head over to our website ginandtopic.com and you can email us hello at ginandtopic.com and you can see us on Tuesday for the tasting room the next gin oh can't wait see you then and see you next week for the next topic too Ooh.